It's time to get started. Running a little behind, but that had a good reason today to run behind. I'm thankful for Bible Bowl. I apologize for the delay on the closing prayer. I was sitting there and I've done this a million times thinking, why isn't anybody going to lead the prayer? Because it's supposed to be me. So then I, and I have to take off and uh, my thought process was off and everything, but uh, eh, I don't know, no excuses. All right, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I think we, this is the fourth week we've spent on verses 9 through 15 and I, I'm going to finish today, I promise. Uh, We've actually not even, we've talked a lot about a lot of different things. We've dealt with the modesty issue for a few weeks. Uh, we talked about being immodest. We talked about what we need to be wearing to worship. Uh, we've talked about a lot of different things. Last week, we, we finished that up. We talked about women and uh, how important you ladies are to God, all the things that God has given you the ability to do, uh, how society has, has pressed the church even to change, though, on the role of women and how society does not like verses 11 through 15 when it relates to the Bible. So today we're going to break down verses 11 through 15, and I promise we'll finish up and we'll move on to chapter 3 next week. Before we begin, we will read it. Paul says, Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Without trying to get back into the things that we've already covered uh, so much, uh, let's just break down what it says. He says, first and foremost, he's talking about uh, the, the public gathering, the worship assembling of the church. And we talked about the fact all the way back in verse 8 that he changed his gears and he's talking about the public assembly. Uh, the first several verses in chapter 2, he's talking about our, our lives, maybe our private lives, whatever it may be. But in verse 8, he begins to, to transition into a leadership role in the public assemblies. So here, that's still where he is. And he says, let a woman learn in silence. Now, I mentioned this last week, but I, I want to bring it back up Again, his command here is for you ladies to be learners. The word in the Greek is something that is a verb and it, it is a continual action thing. It's a, I expect a lady uh, to, as her part in the service, to be a learner. And God expects you ladies to do that because there's so much that you can do for him. He says, I want you to learn. He says, I don't want you to lead. You see, he doesn't say that. He does say it in so many ways, and he's going to say it even more in just a moment. He says, I want you to be a learner, not a leader. And again, to show that God has great regard for ladies, and, and we mentioned this, in so many other countries, women are not allowed to be learners. Women are pushed aside, and young girls are not allowed to go to school in so many places, and, and there's so much oppression, but God does not oppress you ladies. Again, God holds you up in high regard. He says, I want you to learn. I want you to be a person that, that puts the Word of God within your heart and, and acts upon it. He says, I want you to learn in silence. The word silence here is a different word than what is used in 1 Corinthians 14 
verse 34. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, the word means total silence. It means to completely uh, be quiet, don't speak. All right, and that's talking about a, uh, when the people are gathered together in a worship assembly and there's dialogue going on, be total silent. Here, it's not a word that means total silence. The word here means to be quiet and respectful. It means to have yourself under control. Again, if you are talking about the role of women and the role is not to be the leaders, uh, but to be submissive and to be learners, then naturally he would say you do that in a respectful, godly manner. This word is only used a couple other times in Scripture. In Acts 22, verse 2, Paul is standing up making a defense, and it says the people were more quiet. You can't get more quiet than silent. The fact there was they were intent listeners. They were listening to what he had to say. They were being respectful. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, the word is used again, and the word here is used in, in everyday life when he's talking about the fact that so many in the church were busybodies, and they were nosing in everybody else's business, and he says we are to lead, uh, lead a quiet life. Again, a, a quiet, a respectful a life that is under control, a life that knows uh, their place. And that's for all of us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. But here he's telling the ladies, we need to know our place. You guys, again, it's not that God is putting you down. It's he says, I want you to lead, lead a life and to live a life uh, that is going to show God essentially to other people. In 1 Peter chapter 3 he begins to talk about uh, a ladies for the first six verses. And he says a lady that perhaps is married to an unbelieving spouse can lead that spouse to Christ by the lifestyle that she lives. And part of that lifestyle, especially get on down to verse 3 and 4, is a lifestyle that is, that is submissive and is quiet and is respectful and, and that knows their place. And he says all of that is, is very, very uh, important to God. So he says, I want you to learn in silence with all submission. Submission simply means to recognize your role. And we're going to tie this together a little bit more as we go. So know the role that God has given you. He says, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over the man, but to be in silence. If you remember back in verse uh, number 8, when he began all of this about what we do in public assemblies, he began that with, I desire. This is a strong word. I mean, this is what I want to happen. This is what God wants to happen. When he gets to verse 12 here, it's a very explicit command. It's a very explicit command. He says, I do not permit. God does not permit. When Paul says, I do not permit, he has the Spirit of God behind him. He's speaking by inspiration. Uh, so this is God speaking. He says, I don't permit a woman to teach. Now, how far do we take that? Don't think I'm going anywhere bad with this. How far do we take that? Because, see, we can take it like some people take uh, what we talked about in verse 9 and 10. You know, some people think, you know, God says don't wear jewelry and don't you know, braid your hair and all of that. We've got to take it within its proper context. We've got to tie it together with the rest of Scriptures. Is God here saying that you ladies can never teach anybody? Absolutely not. In Titus chapter 2, the older women are to teach who? Younger women, absolutely. Does God expect that to happen? Yes, he always has expected that to happen. Even still 
today. What about uh, this guy named Apollos we're introduced to in Acts chapter 18? Apollos was going about, he was a very eloquent preacher. He was a man that, you know, was teaching a lot of people, but he knew only the baptism of John. Who taught him? Aquila was one of them. Who else? Was she, did she take part in teaching a man? Yes, but it wasn't in a public assembly. In no way was she usurping any authority or anything of the sort. Her and her husband sat down a man and taught him the way of God more perfectly. The Bible describes it as that. Is there anything wrong with that today? You and your wife, you go out and you want to have a Bible study with somebody. My wife and I have done this so many times. Sit across the kitchen table and we're studying. I'm taking the lead in the study, but there's, she's helping me right along with that. Uh, God expects that. Again, biblical examples. What about Philip's daughters? Acts 21 verse 9, the Bible says he had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Were there limits placed upon that prophesying? Yes. But can women still teach a lot of people in today's society? Yeah, a lot of people. And we're going to talk about that. What about our singing? If we take this and we just, we just look at it and we say, God says women are to be silent, totally silent, don't say anything. Aren't we all commanded to sing? And doesn't our sing, singing teach? Colossians 3.16 says we teach and admonish one another within our singing. So uh, we've got we've to rightly divide the Word of God here. And all God is telling us is we've got to know the proper place for these things to happen. If you've got a group of ladies that here at Willow Avenue, you want to have a ladies' day and all of you gather together, there is absolutely nothing wrong with a woman standing up and preaching the sermon and, and leading the prayer and leading the singing, uh, there's no men present. And that's fine. If you've got ladies and they're over here in these Bible classes like they are right now and they're teaching, isn't that what God wants? What kind of mess would it be if us men went over there and they were teaching those little kids? You ever thought about that? You're talking about a complete and utter mess. I told you guys before, I've done that one time. I filled in in the kindergarten class, and they told their parents it's the worst class they'd ever been in. That's okay. I tried. It was a spur-of-the-moment thing, but I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not cut out for that. Uh, but those ladies do such an excellent job. A lot of these kids standing up here in Bible Bowl, look how many ladies were involved in that. I mean, again, God wants you to teach. God is not putting you down to a place that you cannot serve. He is simply putting you in a place that you are uh, more fitted to serve. So he's not saying that you can't teach. He says, but you have to teach in the proper setting. And that's simply what all of this is about. It's about settings and what he expects to happen in a setting. All right, in this setting right here, a lot of times people think that a lady could never speak in a Bible class setting. That's not the setting that we have here. And by all means, if it bothers your conscience to speak in a Bible class setting, don't ever do it. Never do it. Just sit there and hold your peace. But uh, I teach a class on Wednesday nights. Well, I did. I won't start this Wednesday. I teach teens. But, but there's a lot of ladies, and they would speak up, and we just have a great class, and we interact, all of that. It's not the setting that's considered here. Yes, sir. I thought you raised your hand. Threw me off. Scratch your head, throws me off. All right, so we've got to consider the setting. All right, in all of this, he says, I don't want you to teach or I don't want you to have authority over the man. There is an age-old debate, and I'm not going to settle the debate this morning when it comes to these classes. 
When it comes to these classes and maybe a lady is teaching and you've got a young man at the age of 12 that obeys the gospel and then you've got Christians who are sharply divided over whether or not that lady can continue to teach, right? And if I allowed you to offer your opinion, we'd get in fistfights here, right? We don't want to do that. But it's a fair question. It's a question that maybe we should consider If you look at the word have authority over the man here, the word man can be translated, or it is always translated, it's a male. According to Thayer, it can also uh, dictate the the age or the separation between a man and a boy. Is a woman that is teaching a 12-year-old, is that having authority over a man? I've never seen a 12-year-old man in my life. Never. But if it's your persuasion that that is, by all means, have no part in that. But again, we've got we've to consider these things, and sometimes we've got to look at these things uh, within proper common sense reasons when God does not specify. All right, when it talks about, and the King James especially says, a woman is not to usurp authority over the man. A lot of people will come back with, well, if a man gives the woman the permission to do so, then she's not usurping authority. She is given authority, so it's okay. And then maybe perhaps if a woman presents a lesson, teaches a class, whatever it is. Is that what God had in mind? Not what he had in mind at all. You see, what people do, again, go back to last week, they allow society to dictate what we do here within the confines of the church. They allow society where, where ladies of every sort Uh, through the feminist movement, have tried to rise up and take over everything they can possibly take over, and they want to leave the role that God has given them and step into the role that they think they want. And that's an age-old problem that we're about to discuss. You see, God wants you to teach, but he does not want you to take the lead. And he's going to give very, very uh, specific reasons for that. He wants you to hold to your divinely appointed role. And the reasons for that begins in the next verse. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. God uses in his wisdom the divine order of creation. And God has chosen to create the man first, and then he created the woman to be what? A helpmeet. Now, we could sit here and we could debate why God did that. But you know what? You don't know, do you? God did that. He did that all the way back on day six in the beginning. That was his choice to do, his to make, and it's not ours to question. God said, this is what I have appointed for you within the church. And he says, one of the reasons that is is because I created Adam first, and then I created Eve. We don't have a right to argue with that. We simply accept it. God doesn't give his reasons Uh, But he did do that very thing. And he also says, verse 14, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell in the transgression. I want you to think about that for a minute. Adam was not deceived. You think Satan tried to deceive Adam? You don't know, do you? The Bible doesn't say, does it? The Bible doesn't say. Why do you think Satan went after Eve? There's been a statement, and I read this, I don't know, 10 years ago probably. It's always stuck with me. I thought it was funny. 
uh, Burton Kaufman said that women are very easily deceived. And he made the statement they're very easily deceived. How else do you explain half the marriages in the world? Some of you guys, you deceived that woman into marrying you. And uh, I don't know how. Maybe I did the same thing. Uh, but all joking aside, God made men and women very different. And don't you think Satan realized that? Don't you think Satan knew that? Which one uh, between men and women are more soft-hearted? That's a pretty easy one, right, most of the time. Us men are hard. So maybe a woman could be easier duped by somebody because of the soft and tender heart. Aren't you glad a woman has a soft and tender heart? Aren't you glad they're not calloused like a lot of us men? Yeah. But you see, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, the very thing that we're discussing this morning, what well, took place. The woman was in the role, Genesis 2 verse 18, of the helpmeet. Did she know that? Yeah, she knew that. You think God didn't tell them all those things? You think when God created them and then he put Adam to sleep, took the rib out, don't you think the woman knew that that was her role? You see, this whole idea of, of, of women rising up in this feminist movement, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. She knew her role, and Satan deceived her into leaving her role. Her, her role was to be a helpmeet, to be a learner, to go along beside of him. And what she did is she tried to rise up because Satan tempted her, right? And deceived her. And she looked at the fruit, and I mean, the Bible says it looked good. You know, everything was appealing to her. So therefore, she ate it, and she was deceived. The man was not deceived, but the man did what? The exact same thing that men still do today. That men still do today. I told Joe back there in the back, I said, a wise man once told me every man in the world is one of two things. He's either henpecked or a liar. It's true, isn't it? You either do what your wife tells you or, or you're lying because you usually do. And uh, it's all silliness, but it, it's true. And that's exactly what Adam did, right? He did exactly what his wife told him to do, and he fell right in line. And everything in, in the world today is a result of those two sins. The first sin there, Eve gave in to the, uh, the deceit of the Satan, and the second one is Adam just fell right in line. So it all ties in there together. God says, for those reasons, here's why I am putting this restriction on ladies. You need to get rid of the notion that a lot of people in the church even teach that this restriction was simply a cultural one. In the fact that these ladies were not educated at the time and now times are different, that's not what God said. You see, we try to put words in God's mouth. And I told you, I've heard Christian people in the church say this for years that it was just a cultural thing, and now women are far more educated, times are different, and this doesn't apply. You can't get any more plain than what God said in verse 13 and 14. I do not permit a woman, verse 12, to teach or usurp authority over the man. Why? Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but she was deceived and fell into transgression. That's the reason. So quit trying to look for any other reason on the sun when God explicitly says it. All right, last verse. I told you we would finish, and we will. He says, nevertheless... Nevertheless, and what he's saying is, you know, the, the woman was deceived and introduced sin into the world because of that very thing. And, and maybe you look at it and you think, wow, that is, you know, think about this morning, the saddest scene ever seen. That's sad. You know, and the woman brought this in, so what are they going to do about it? Well, 
God's always gives you hope. Always gives you hope. Nevertheless, what can be done? She can still be saved in childbearing. And again, there's ideas all over the spectrum when it comes to childbearing. Some people believe that a woman's saved with the ability to have a child. That's nonsense. Whether or not you have the physical ability to have a child has nothing to do with your salvation. Some people believe that, uh, and some religions even teach, if a woman dies in childbirth, she's automatically saved. Does that have anything at all to do with what God's talking about? No, and we could go on and on and on for time's sake we want, but maybe some ideas. Maybe some ideas. Some people believe that a woman is saved in childbirth in and of itself in the fact that Jesus came through the birth of a woman. So in a sense, is mankind saved through childbirth? I guess if you want to look at it in a sense, Jesus came through a virgin through the birth of the woman. Uh, the Bible teaches that, that man comes through woman, woman through the man, all those things. We all come from each other. Uh, God put us on here, be fruitful and multiply. But ultimately, let's get down for time's sake to just common sense. What do we think it means? Nevertheless, she shall be saved in childbearing. Just fulfill your role. Fulfill your role. Don't try to be what God has not intended you to be. Don't try to rise up and say it's not fair and, and all of these things and try to push the envelope and everything that we do and, and try to be in a place that, that God has not intended for you to be within the church. Just fulfill your role. Go back and look at 1 Peter 3, 1-6 again and look at the, the ideals that God has for His woman. Go read Proverbs chapter 31 beginning in verse 10 and read the rest of the chapter and see God's ideal for a godly woman. And he says, just do that. Be what I intended for you to be. You have a role that, that no man can ever fill. You have a role that we can't do. We are not built for it. We're not made for it. We're not designed for it. However you want to look at it, but you are. There are things that you can do within this congregation that we cannot even begin to do. So, embrace it. Don't fight against it. Don't let society tell you that, that you are being belittled because of the role God has given you. He says you can be saved. Just fulfill your role. Continue in faith and, and, and holiness and love and self-control. Be a Christian and be a godly woman. You can go to heaven. I appreciate your attention this morning.